Underestimated and still I made it In the book of hard knocks I'm highly educated Nobody told me looked over but still dedicated Played in the league for 13 I ain't gotta be favorite Two Super Bowls, Honolulu I stood with the greatest The thing is this, it never rich I'm good with my neighbors DB precision, television Ain't ask for no favors Numbers don't lie, neither do pictures Just look in the papers no backing down or turning back, part two of the movie. Never the biggest, but it takes more than two just to move me. Ain't gotta like what I'm saying, just watch me go to work. And tackle all of these topics right here on Face First. Welcome to another edition of Face First. We have not been in the studio in a while, and the season started, and I was like, I can't wait to get in here. But I try to let some stories develop, and I let some things kind of start to become clear to us because I'm not coming in here to analyze football. Every week. It's not what this show is about. It's not what I'm going to make it about. I don't care that the freaking Tampa Bay Buccaneers look great or the Kansas City Chiefs lost to the ball. Well, yeah, I actually do care, but that's not why why we are here, right? The beginning of the season is full of hope, right? Hope springs eternal. Isn't that what Alexander Pope said? But that's not true in football. Hope falls eternal in football because it's in the fall that you have to be able to make plays. It's in the fall that you have to make all the expectations of the offseason a reality. And also it's in the fall that all these hopes and these dreams, they fall to the ground. They crash. They burn. They, they, they aren't what you thought they would be. And that's what I wanted to talk about. And so I started to think about kind of like the football season. And who are all the people that are involved in the football season? The fans. Think about the fans in the offseason when you have a great free agency period. If you're the New England Patriots and you're used to winning all the time and you sign Aguilar and you sign Bourne and, you then, and then you go get John New Smith, you get Hunter Henry and defensively you get Jalen Mills, Matthew Judon, all these people come back from COVID protocol. You're like, we're going to win the stinking Super Bowl. But then you're nervous because you're like, oh, is Cam Newton our quarterback is Cam Newton good enough? And then you draft Mac Jones and he skips up to the stage. And you're like, holy hell, we got Mac Jones. We're going to win it. That's not really how it works. And then every fan has the best. Their, their team have the best colors, the, the best quarterback, the best coach. Watch us this year. We have Urban Meyer. We're going to be better. Or last year, the Dallas Cowboys. We got rid of Jason Garrett. It wasn't the, They didn't care who they added. They cared who their coach was. And you were here all the time. Watch what happens. That's not how it works, people. You're just hoping. Right. You're just thinking to yourself that if we can add these pieces, maybe it could be better. You know why? Because it's better than the alternative or knowing that you're going to suck and accepting it. So you say, you know what? Maybe we have a chance. And then the media, they start to build these narratives. Right. You know, Tom, when Tom Brady leaves the Patriots. OK, Bill Belichick versus Tom Brady. Who's going to be better? Obviously, it was Tampa Bay because, well, Tom Brady chose the team that had a lot of great players. And then he was able to get great players to come out of retirement. And then players that were coming off suspension, instead of going somewhere else, they went to play with Tom Brady. They win the Super Bowl. That's how things happen. But that couldn't be the hope of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers until they got Tom Brady. And then hope started to snowball. But the play made it a reality. If you go back to the beginning of last year when they lose to the New Orleans Saints, hopes kind of dwindle. You lose to the Saints again and get blown out. Hopes kind of, kind of dwindle. And so now the expectation is lower. And once the expectation is lower, it's easier to play. Everybody's happier. But the, the media built that narrative. And now they go through the season. The season goes. The season goes. They're keeping up with the narrative. Keeping up with the narrative. Holy hell. Tampa Bay wins. My narrative was right. <coughs> Excuse me. I told you that Tampa Bay would be better than New England. That's how it happens. I told you it was Tom. 
Because if we're in the media, we want to win awards, right? We want our story to be the best, right? We want to be the type of people that said, you know what? We had the scoop from the beginning. We weren't late. We were first. That's what the media does. Hey, look, I'm media. And then think about the organizations and the universities, right? Money, 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 money. That's their hope. Yes, they want to win. Does, does the Mara family, does the Rooney family, does Shad Khan, do these people want to win? Heck yeah. Does LSU, does Florida, does Alabama, do they want to win? Heck yeah. But what happens when you win? That's when the dolo start rolling in. You watch Coming to America, and then I'm on the fries. And that's when the big bucks start rolling in. And so now you have all of these things that play into the fact that if we win, if we do well, we make money. So every season you come into, there's that hope. You know what? We're just going to keep hoping, keep hoping, keep hoping, because if we get it, that's that paper. Now, all of these hopes, whether it's the fans, not necessarily the media, because they don't care if you win or lose. If you win, they get the right longer, but they don't care if you win or lose. They just want to be right. That's a win for them. The organizations, the universities, it's all about winning. It's tied into winning, but it's for different reasons. It's so my jersey, if I'm a fan, my jersey is the jersey of the best player. I wear Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl MVP. I wear Tom Brady, right? So that's what that's how they look at it. Those are the things that they want. Media is like, I told you, I pinpointed that guy. He was going to be a stud. Now he's a pro bowler. I pinpointed this kid. He was going to be a stud. Now he's an All-American, right? And also then you look at the organizations, the universities. LSU is like, okay, we made a choice. <clears throat> we made a choice. We didn't want... Less miles because nine wins, 10 wins, that wasn't enough. So see, let's go see if we can get a new coach. Okay, we try to get, you want to get Jimbo and you want to get Herman. You don't get none of these guys. We'll settle on, oh, oh my gosh. Oh, gets Joe Brady. We win a dang championship. More money for the organization. More money for the university. Even when Odell, if Odell Beckham's there, more money for the players. That's the way it works. But the coaches and players, they have a different view. That view is both individual. That view is also team. You want to win championships. It's the reason you do it, period. It's the reason that kids that can go to LSU, that can go to Alabama, that can go to Clemson, it's the reason they do because it's like, I know I can be a stud. I know I can be a star individually. I know I can make it to the league, but I can win a championship there. And then now you want the individual things. You want the all pros. You want the Pro Bowls. You want the All-Americans. You want the All-SECs. You want the accolades, the Thorpe Awards, the Bolitnikovs, the MVPs, the Defensive Player of the Years. You want all of these things because those things get you more money in the end. But if you do those things, right, if you've earned those things and you play well enough to get that, then usually you get championships on your team and that's the way it works. It all ties into winning. And in the offseason, all of these hopes are there. You start building, you start building your mindset, right? You start envisioning your journey, envisioning, envisioning your process. You, you see where it starts. You see how it goes. You see the way it feels to accomplish all of these things you want to accomplish until your ultimate goal, which is winning the championship. And now you see how people treat you after that. You see all that, but all that's just hope. All that is just you putting in work, setting stuff in place, hoping that it works out. Because you don't really know until you do it. The fans don't know until you do it, right? The media doesn't know until you do it. Organizations, universities, they don't know until you do it. You don't know yourself until you do it. Now, you believe that you can do it, right? The belief is different from hope because the belief comes from the preparation. The belief comes from the experience. The belief comes from all those things. But the hope is like, ah, I still got to go out and do it. I hope it happens. And I think back to 
2007 and 2008 for me. Two totally different years. 2006, I get to Pittsburgh. I play extremely well. They told me when I won the job in Pittsburgh against Tyrone Carter that I wouldn't start the entire season because of a guy they drafted named Anthony Smith who was bigger, stronger, faster, better playmaker, all these things. They said, eventually, Anthony's going to play when he's ready. You're basically getting this nod because you're the older guy that was better than the other older guy. So you know what I do? I go out, I set a plan, and I hope that I play so well that Anthony never plays. But that took me to compete. That took me to compare. I mean, to, to, to prepare, right? That took me to fight to hold that position. And I did. 12 weeks leading the team in tackles. 12 weeks tied for the team lead in turnovers with two fumble recoveries and an intercept. All those things are, are going the right way for me. I get hurt. What happens? Anthony comes in and balls. 2007 rolls around. You two guys are going to compete. So I find a new trainer in Danny in Arizona because my hopes are he makes me bigger, faster, stronger. So now the things that I don't have that Anthony has, I can now have because he don't have what I have. Right. And so that's my hopes. And so now my hopes are you come into training camp, you outplay him. I do. I outplay him. It wasn't even close. I was better. I was better in training camp at practice. I was better during the preseason games. But what do they say? Oh, we're still going to alternate him. No. He's going to get one series a half. I know that if I that if I don't win, that if Anthony Smith wins this job, I don't get one series a half. But they don't see me like they see him. They see the talent. They see the strength. They see the size. They see all these things, the speed, the playmaking ability. Ryan doesn't have those things. So since Ryan don't have those things, we're not going to put him out there. Bet. Still didn't matter. Balled out. Right? Game six comes around. Or was it game seven? We're playing in Denver. Sickle cell crisis. I feel it. Spleen's jacked up. Laying on the floor at one point. Took a shower, laying on the floor cold, just thinking to myself, maybe if I numb myself, it won't hurt, hurt as much so I can play the next week. They tell me I can play. I'm hunched over, trying to run, trying to do all these things. Can't do them. End up getting the surgery. Now January comes. We're going into 08. Now, through this time, Anthony Smith has made a guarantee against Tom Brady that will win the game. Tom Brady bombs on, bombs on him, right? Gets in his face. The defense isn't as good without me, but they didn't know that until they were without me. So at 160 pounds, cleared in January of 08, I go to see my coach. I said, coach, they cleared me. I'm going to start working out. He said, well, if you can get healthy enough, if you're in shape enough, if you can still play, because at the time the doctors didn't know if I could do it, then you're the starter. First time it ever happened in my career. You ain't got to fight. You ain't got to compete. You're the starter. But all I knew was fight, compete. But now I'm competing against myself. I'm competing against medicine. So I'm 160 pounds. My first workout, Garrett Guimont, who I respect and love forever, tells me to do pull-ups. I couldn't do one. I was 160 pounds. I was a dang near 30-year-old man and couldn't do one pull-up. Right? So I was competing against that. I was hoping that eventually I can work my way where I could do a freaking pull-up. One pull-up. And I'm only pulling up 160 pounds. And so that entire offseason, my focus was hoping I could get to a point where I was able to play. But that changed my perspective because before that, every year, every year before the season starts in training camp, I would fast. Right? I would fast and pray and I would write down my goals in a book, in a notebook, and I'd put them in the Bible. And those goals might be 100 tackles. Those goals might be four interceptions. Those goals might be one touchdown or whatever it was. I would have these goals, put them in the Bible, fast and pray on them all training camp. 
I would hit some of those goals. I never hit every single goal ever. But that was part of my process because that was my hopes. And I felt like your hopes and your dreams turn to prayers. Then sometimes they could turn to reality. It's that's for you. That was never for me. Those things weren't for me. Those things weren't in my control truly. I could prepare to get those things. I could hope to get those things. But if I didn't go out and compete and if I didn't go out and execute in a way to get those things, I wouldn't get those things. It makes sense. It's easy. That ain't even hard. Correct? And so I knew that. And so now coming into this season, you know what one of the goals was going into 08? Just to stay alive. Ain't that crazy? It was to play every play as hard as I could possibly play it. It was to prepare in a way where the other team had to beat me. I would never lose myself. That was it. Very simple goals. Goals I could get accomplished. Be on time. Right? Study this amount of film this day. Study that amount of film this day. Do this part of, do this much treatment this day. Make sure this is these are the steps that you can control. Those are your goals. To control the steps you can control, the rest of the stuff you let it be. You get to the first game. Now I'll never forget this first game. We're playing against against the Houston Texans. I'm nervous as hell. Can I still do it? But I'm in the best shape of my life. Because remember, in the beginning, in January, I'm 160 pounds and I can't do a pull-up. So you remember that throughout the whole offseason. Every time you're asked to do an extra set, every time you're asked to add some more weight, you think to yourself, there was a time I couldn't do this. When you're running hills by yourself and soccer moms and, and softball moms and baseball moms are watching their kids play baseball and there's some crazy dude in some tights and a sweatshirt running up a hill and they don't understand what's going on, you're remembering that you can't do one pull-up. So your hopes and your dreams are just to be out there, just to be healthy. And focusing on that, you have the best year of your career. The defense is number one defense in football. One of the best defenses in the last 25 years. And you win the Super Bowl. And as you're laying on the ground and somebody's asking you, okay, how do you feel? How happy are you? Woo, 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 all these things. You just say, I'm just glad I got to play all the way through. Playing the Tennessee Titans week 14. My shoulder comes out early on in the season. We have a great matchup against the defending champs, New York Giants. They throw a post route. I make a great play, break it up, hit the ground, feel my shoulder come out. Sitting on the ground, walk all this. It's going to be about a week. You can play in a week. Come back the next week against the coach. Two weeks later, I'm good. Playing the Tennessee Titans, same thing happens again. Chris Johnson, I face him up. I get him down. I feel my shoulder come out again. I'm rocking back and forth on the ground, though, because I'm like, oh, hell, like I need to get up. And I didn't want to be on the ground. And nothing was wrong with my freaking legs. So nothing's wrong with my freaking legs. Why am I sitting on the ground? So I tell BMAC, BMAC help me up. I get up, boom, we walk off. They can't get my shoulder back in week 14 in Tennessee. And they, sh they shoot it with something. They say, if we can't get it back in, you're going to stay here. And I said, no, the hell I'm not. The last time you left me in a place, I damn near didn't make it home. I'm not staying here. I don't care what you got to do. I ain't staying here. So then they tell me, well, you can't, that there's a possibility that if, this happens again, there'll be nerve damage. Do you want to play? You think I'm going to make a decision to not play with my hopes and my dreams and my prayers where that I played as much as I possibly could, that I made it through this season and we're the best defense in the world right now with opportunity to win the Super Bowl? Lies you tell. You carry me out on my shield. You know me. And so we get to that point and we finally win the Super Bowl and it's like those hopes, those dreams, you did it. Right, so this brings me now to my kid, to Jordan. Jordan plays at ASU, right? The hardest, he is truly my child. 
I will make him get up every morning, uh, make him get up every Monday and Tuesday morning during his football season to train at 6 a.m. Not because I felt like that's what he needed to be good. Not because that's what the other kids at his school were doing to be good. Because I knew that one day he would be in a place where he had to realize that work was a requirement. Work was a privilege. Work was something you got to do, not something you had to do in order to see your hopes and your dreams and, and, your, and your prayers come to fruition and be reality. Kid works harder than anybody I know. When I go out and do my, my, my DB precision uh, DB retreat in Arizona, he works out at school. He finishes at school. He comes to work out with us because that's what he knows. He gets a break. He doesn't go on spring break or go to Miami to go to the beach and go to the party. He goes to Miami to train because that's who he is. So he does all this work. He's having the best. He's playing the best football I've ever seen him play in training camp. Hurts his hamstring. Misses game one. Comes back game two. They had a guy already playing. They wanted to work him in slow. Plays. Plays extremely well. Earns his starting nickel spot back. Playing BYU last week. Comes out. First play. He's in there. He's playing really well. Gives up a touchdown. It's a flea flicker. Runs with the guy all the way. Sees the free safety flash in front of him. Comes off. Throws touchdowns. National TV. It's ESPN. And I'm dadding now. Right? I don't get to play anymore. I know what his hopes are. His hopes are to be elite. His hopes are to play well enough that he maintains his position in a very competitive room. His hopes are that he one day gets an opportunity to be all Pac-12, be all American, gets a shot to play in the league. I know what his hopes are because I'm his freaking dad and we talk all the time and I get that. So when I see something that may shatter those hopes, it hurts me more than it hurts him. I see him on the sideline, head down, slamming his helmet. I get it. I've been there. I've given up plays. Now I'm looking at him. How do you come back? Because if your hopes are a certain thing, the only way to get those things, the only way to grab those things is to keep going. Excellent second half. Comes out after, he comes out after uh, the game is over. Obviously, he goes to his mom first, not me. Cries. Five minutes. I let him get that out. I let him hug, her, hug him. I let him talk to her. I let her talk to him about it. And then it's time, for, it's time for daddy and son to talk. It's time for two football players to talk. And we go through it. Here's what happened. Here's what it is. Now it's over. You came. You played well. Let's move on. Because now your hopes are that that never happens again, but you can't get those things if you don't work. Now, let's think about this. There's four quarterbacks that are drafted in the league, uh, five quarterbacks that are drafted in the first round, right? It goes Trevor, it goes Zach, it goes Trey, it goes Justin, it goes Mac. Now, all of these dudes are drafted in different places. They have different fortunes. Trevor, you're the starter. Zach, you're the starter. Mac, you're competing with Cam, Trey. Trey, you have Jimmy Garoppolo, who's probably the best incumbent starter, and Justin, you got Andy Dalton, who we promised would start anyway, no matter how you play. If you're a Jacksonville fan, we got Trevor Lawrence, we got Urban Meyer. This junk's going to be great. Yay! You suck. Yes, you do. He's throwing five picks. Your team's not good enough. All of a sudden, all those things, right? Alexander Pope, hope springs eternal. No, hope falls eternal. In two weeks, your hopes have fallen. You know what it is. You had to come out and perform now. You didn't. That doesn't mean Trevor Lawrence ain't going to be great one day. That doesn't mean Urban Meyer can't one day be a great NFL coach. I don't think he can, but that's just my, that's just my opinion. But for now, all those hopes and dreams you built up at Trevor Lawrence and Tim Tebow, who obviously couldn't even block, and that's why he's on TV doing a great job. He's my colleague, great dude, bad tight end. But all those hopes and dreams that Shad Khan, Urban Meyer, all the people at Duval have, done. Over. It's a wrap. Finito. Zach Wilson, 
great preseason. Shows you in the preseason, I can do all the little stuff you never really see me do. And now I can do the hard stuff too. When it comes time to do that hard stuff, I bet you can't wait to see what I do when it's time to go. Ah, first week. Okay, play the Carolina Panthers, get beat up in the first half. We didn't realize at that point that the Carolina Panthers were great on defense, right? We didn't think that they could move around like that. Phil Snow got them moving around. Players on the front end, players in the middle, players on the back end. Zach doesn't have a great first half, but he shows fight. Comes out the second half, balls, moves around, throws a touchdown, makes plays. So now you want to see him coming to the next week. The next week you got Mac Jones. Now think about the difference in the hopes and the dreams of Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson knew he'd be the starter. Zach Wilson knew his team would be terrible. Mac Jones had an opportunity to compete to be the starter in New England, but he knew his team would be really good. He knew that if he got an opportunity to start, that they could put him in a position to succeed. So now we have these two opposing things, right? We have a coach and a team and Bill Belichick that's been there, done that. And the New England Patriots, they've been there, done that. Josh McDaniels, I've been there, done that. This is what I do. I understand quarterbacks like him. I did really understand quarterbacks like Cam, but I understand quarterbacks like you, Mac. Week one, Mac stays within himself. Make a couple of throws that you really don't expect him to make. Hits James White down the sideline. Has another good ball on a deep ball. Right? So you're like, oh, he does all the short stuff that you're asking him to do because he's a game manager. Doesn't matter. Game managers are important. You know why? Because game managers means you won't F me by doing stupid stuff because you can manage the damn game. Most rookies can't do that. Kirk Cousins, we call him a game manager, right? Jimmy Garoppolo, we call him a game manager. Last I remember, I think Kirk Cousins got like 80 million guaranteed one time. Jimmy G got over 100 on this contract and took that team to the Super Bowl. Stop looking at game managers like game managers aren't good. Game managers are good. Mac Jones is good. But you see the contrasting things, right? One in New York, one in New England. Robert Salah, new coach. Michael LaFleur, new coach. Offensive coordinator. Team, terrible. Trash. Hot garbage. Defense better than you thought in New York, though. Right? Zach comes out. He can do different things than Matt can do. You drafted him number two. You want to see him do those things. Now you're throwing the ball to the McCordys, to the JC Johnsons of the Jacksons of the world, to the, the, the Jalen Millses of the world, the Judons are Russian, the High Towers on the other side. That junk is different. Four picks. Easy. Mac Jones, just do what the hell we tell you. Damian Harris, you run the football. Mac Jones, you make the short pass. John New Smith, yak. Nelson Aguilar, yak. That's what you're out there for. See, the hopes and the dreams of Mac Jones and what the New England Patriots place on him are different than the hopes that are placed on Zach Wilson. See, right now, if you're a Zach Wilson fan, you feel like your hopes for 2021 are dashed. But if you're smart, your hopes are so much more long-term than that that you won't allow yourself to be squashed and to be quelled right now. But remember, in the offseason, we're so delusional. Fans, media, organizations, universities, players, coaches, we all think we have a chance, and that's bullcrap because we all don't have a chance to win. There's maybe six teams every year that have an opportunity to win a championship, period. If you're in college, it's like one, and it's Alabama. Because that's the way it works. Now think about Justin Fields, right? Justin Fields' hopes were coming into 2020, the football season, that he and Trevor Lawrence would be vying for the number one spot and that he could play well enough to get that spot because he played better the year before. But he doesn't play as good that year. He drops to 11 on a team that already got a dude that they said can start that moves up to get him that actually needs him. Now, everybody thinks that the Chicago Bears defense is so great, but they haven't played great this year. They were great a few years ago. They're no longer that same defense. So they're like, he's in the best position. When he starts, he's going to ball. 
but plays very good in the preseason, no chance to start. Gets three games in the first, three plays in the first game. Andy Dalton's still the starter. Andy Dalton goes down. Now it's his job. Now what will he do? What are his hopes? He said he was meant to be there. Well, now it's time. Now it's time to be better. Now it's time to be great. Now it's time to show the people that you should have been on the field versus the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday night to begin the season. Trey Lance is the guy that's just sitting around waiting his turn. Because that team is good enough to win. Jimmy Garoppolo is good enough to help him win. Trey Lance is the least experienced of all the quarterbacks drafted in the top 15. You got to wait your turn. Of course, his hopes are going into that. I'm good enough to unseat Jimmy Garoppolo, who we all understand is probably not good enough to make this team win because of him. They not necessarily win in spite of him, but they win with him. That's a Dan Orlowski-ism. Right? So now his hopes are at some point I could get in there and do something to help my team win. He threw a touchdown in the first game. Detroit throws a touchdown. They put him in the game when the goal line throws a touchdown. He has his own little, you know, little packages of plays. He gets to play. That's not what he wants. He wants more than that. He wants to be more than that. He wants to do more than that. He wants an opportunity to do all those things, but you got to wait. He's just hoping and sitting and waiting for his opportunity, for his chance. Now, when he gets it, he got to do what he got to do. Because see, what happens is people don't understand you got to prepare against hope, right? You got to compete against hope. You got to fight against hope. Hell, you got to hope against hope. Because at some point, when those hopes are dashed, you got to have something tangible to hold on to that keeps you going, that keeps you moving. And the people that don't, those are the people that falter. Those are the people that need outside perception, need outside voices, need outside helps in order to keep them focused on their goals and on their path and on the hopes that they set throughout the whole offseason. But it's not about those hopes. It's about the reality of what you've done what you put into it, and now what it's giving you. Because hopes alone will be dashed, right? Hopes alone will lead to expectations, and expectations are the leading cause of disappointment. Because as people, we expect certain things from outside humans. We expect certain things from humanity that we don't always get. We expect certain things from ourselves, but then when we're competing against other people, we don't necessarily understand how that affects us. We expect and hope that those things will be a certain way, but we don't know until we're there. Which brings me to my new point. In 2020, many people had hopes. Many people that look like me had certain hopes. People that don't look like me had certain hopes. That this world, that this country, the greatest country in the world would come together. I don't want to live nowhere else. That we'd come together and we'd be one. That what happened on January 6th was the anomaly Right. That, 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 that the George Floyd, the Breonna Taylor, all of those things would be over because there was new representation, because there was new leadership. Right. That's why people flock to the election polls in, in droves in a, in a different manner. And it brings me to the hope of the Haitian people. Who are looking for asylum. Who are being whipped, who are being chased down on horses, who are being tied up, who are being roped. Because Title 14 says that they can't. Title 14 that, that affects the black and the brown and the indigenous people more than any other people says, you know what? Title 42, I'm sorry. Title 42 says, you know what? We can send them back. And so now where we think and where they hope this is going to be different for me, where the Homeland Security, where Homeland Security said if they go back, they could face these, these, these undue pressures. 
they may face harm is the actual quote whether it be violence whether it be crime whether it be kidnapping they're supposed to be able to seek this asylum here but they can't because as soon as you show up as soon as you touch down as soon as you touch down as soon as you hit land whether it's water or land we are sending you back and we're not treating you like humans we're not treating you equally we are superior because we are america and we have made these rules and so now as people resign because the the treatment of the haitian people is inhumane now that people are outraged what do we do are our hopes to be better are our hopes to get people together all our hopes to say that, you know what, no matter your color, no matter your race, no matter your ethnicity, no matter your nationality, it does not matter. We are all the same and we can at least treat each other like humans because that's my hope. That was my hope when I went to the polls. That was my hope when I marched. That was my hope when I spoke. That we were on our way to being different. And so I would love to come in here and just talk about football or just talk about sports or just talk about what we're doing. But when you see people who, if you don't know, look just like me, right? Treated in a way that I would never want myself to be treated, never want my child to be treated, never want my wife to be treated, never want my friends to be treated. And you see it being done to them. If that doesn't piss you off, if that doesn't make outrage, if that doesn't enrage you, then it's an issue for us. So I ask you again, will we fight against hope? The hope that we have that we could be better. Will we compete against hope? Compete against the hope that we could be better. Will we prepare against it? Will we get to know one another? Will we get to love one another? Will we understand that we are all the same? Because it doesn't, doesn't matter if Trevor Lawrence is great, if Zach Wilson is great, if Trey Lance is great, if Mac Jones is great, if Justin Fields is great. It doesn't matter that I won a Super Bowl in 08 and in 07 I was fighting for my life. It doesn't matter that in the offseason the fans thought that, they, that their team would be the best and now they know that they won't. It doesn't matter if the fans thought their team would be the best and they're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and they're still 2-0. It doesn't matter that if the narrative of what the media was putting out is that everything is great because football is back and fans are in the stands and we found a way to at least look human again and to at least feel normal again. It doesn't matter that that's happened. It doesn't matter that there's going to be individuals that play extremely well this year, that win championships, that win Super Bowls, that become all Americans, that become all pros, that make all of this money. It doesn't matter about all those things if we're just hoping against hope that we could be better humans. I know this doesn't always end the way it started, the way it starts. And that's why it's face first, because the helmet is off. This isn't about ball all the time. I love ball. And as Alexander Pope said, hope springs eternal. But that's the same exact way it falls. And sometimes when it falls, it's eternal because it never comes back, because we can't have those hopes again, because we realize that they're impossibilities and improbabilities. But as long as it's possible, let's work to make hopes, to make dreams, to make prayers reality. This was face first. Hope falls eternal. Underestimated and still I made it. In the book of hard knocks, I'm highly educated. Nobody told me, looked over, but still dedicated. Played in the league for 13, I ain't gotta be favorite. 
Super Bowls, Honolulu, I stood with the greatest The thing is this, if never rich, I'm good with my neighbors DB Precision, television, ain't ask for no favors Numbers don't lie, neither do pictures, just look in the papers No backing down or turning back, part two of the movie Never the biggest, but it takes more to